Hello again. Welcome to another weekly Azure news on Azure Centric. Uh, first of all, like we always like to start, we like to start uh, to thank you uh, that you are listening and see us through the through the video podcast and that you are listening through the uh, podcast on your device. Um, to thank you for all of the support that you gave us on the last weeks, on the last episodes as well. Uh, the feedback has been tremendously. We are trying to adjust um, as many as, as possible regarding all of the requests that you guys are asking. Um, but uh, we want to thank you, me and Andrew, for all of your feedback. Um, we're seeing that you guys are, are coming uh, and are listening and I've been active. Uh, at least I've been receiving a few emails um, about that and, and a few tweets as well. Um, so um, what we ask you is if you like this content and if you like what we are producing to just giving a, a thumbs up, just like, uh, to just comment on all of our podcasts. And again, if you have any questions or anything that you want to comment, just leave a comment below either to the YouTube channel or to the other podcast channels that we have, SoundCloud, Apple, Google, or even Spotify. Um, I know that some of those platforms, they don't allow you to give that, but uh, you will find on a description that you, you can reach us on different ways. So use that to reach us. A lot of you guys are already starting to do that. So I want to thank you again once for all. Um, this is a very special episode. We are on Christmas. Uh, although we don't uh, want to make our kind of uh, theme of Christmas because this is focused on Azure and the, the all, all Azure updates. Right, Andrew? Absolutely. So you can see behind me, uh, we're filming a little bit later in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, here in Alberta, beside the Rocky Mountains, anything after 4 p.m. is pretty much night, <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> yes. You can actually see my lights today. But, uh, yeah, so it's definitely, it's about Azure. And it's about, uh, you know, sharing uh, the good words and good things of Azure uh, with all of our listeners and viewers. And, of course, uh, also from myself and on behalf of all of Azure Centric, uh, you know, thank you to all of our listeners because you're why we do this. Uh, it's why we get together every week to produce a, a fun little podcast. Uh, to be honest, Marcos and I would chat anyways. Exactly. But, uh, you know, we record it and have a little bit of extra fun as well. Yeah, so, because um, we always chat about a lot of things. But uh, when we, we decided to, to do this, and just to give you a little bit of, I know that we are reaching the end of the year and probably we have just one more podcast until the end of the year. Um, and uh, it's kind of looking back a little bit as well. And to when we start this podcast and when I invite you to just come to, 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 to my podcast and become our podcast, um, it was more like on the idea of we are always talking about technology. A lot of times we aren't, um, but when we talk about technology, it's it's meaningful. It's 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 a lot of good things about what about this? Do you see what, 
do you saw that news that was or that update that was coming from Azure? And when we starting doing this, we starting to just we should record this because this is great content for other people uh, that they they want to get a little bit of that information, what is new uh, or what is updated, and they are not really keen on going there and looking for all the updates and everything else and giving like a perspective of the real life like for people like me and you that we're working with Azure every single day for the past what three or four years um, and just passing along that knowledge and besides that allows me and this is a little bit I'm going to say a little bit selfish because of this podcast now I'm way more up to date on the news and all the all the features because because it's helping each other because now we have a podcast to do it we are, we are constantly doing this and and I improve even myself regarding my customers and and, and you we were comment this before as well that because of this now I'm on top of the news all the single time that sometimes Absolutely. happens with my customers saying, did you heard about this? And then I say, uh, and then sometimes I was delaying my response, looking for what he was talking I know about. You, right? you turn sideways a bit and bring it up, bring up the blog <laughs> on your phone. And say, uh, uh, yes, I have. Uh, exactly. <laughs> now I know what you're talking about, Mr. Customer. <laughs> Yeah, it, it absolutely does happen. And you're right. You know, one of the things I think that um, it's kind of fun about this podcast is, you know, anybody can go to a website and read yes. the news. And certainly it's a little bit of what we do, but uh, it's about putting the spin on it, the perspective and talking about it. We're not reporters. We're not professionals at uh, podcasting and doing these things. Um, you know, we're learning as we go uh, with everybody else out there in the big wide Azure community. And um, that's one of the reasons that we actually do at the start. Always ask, uh, you know, please weigh in, tell us your comments. Um, we're looking to improve to kind of hit the mark, uh, I guess, uh, for what everybody would like to hear yeah. and see in the podcast. And, uh, you know, part of that process, the, you know, keeping the mindset of continuous improvement is being open to hearing others' opinions, you know, whether uh, it's positive or whether it's negative. And, you know, we had a discussion before the recording today about uh, maybe some mixed feedback on something. And, uh, you know, like I said before, see, I've been fixating on that, that thing we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm worried about it. But um, one of the things we tried to do, though, is incorporate all of that feedback so that we do. Yeah, improve. completely. Um, and that, yeah, uh, that's so. the idea because, again, we are not professionals. Uh, we are IT professionals working on Azure. And I think that's the idea of this content, um, to talk about that. Uh, besides that, it's just our passion um, to just talk about this and the way that you can do it, to just leverage all the content uh, for you that you are listening to um, this podcast and seeing through the YouTube channel. So let's let's dive on the first one. Uh, the first one, it's not uh, a new uh, or it's not an update. It's more like I was reading this uh, this blog post um, at the at Azure blog, and it's more like the strategy uh, the strategy 
uh, of, of Azure and the adoption of the cloud. And we already mentioned this, and I, and I challenge in this case, uh, this, this uh, episode with uh, Andrew to just kind of go in depth a little bit more on those two things that we're going to talk in in a minute, because today's podcast is going to be fairly small. Uh, probably one of the smallest, but I want to just use the opportunity of something that they released recently, a few days back. It was not from last from this week. It was from the end of last week. That it's not new, but uh, or it's not an update. It's more like the way that Microsoft is working to help navigate you in this case on adopting the cloud. And this doesn't matter what I like about this article is it doesn't matter how long you've been working with Azure. Okay, this is you have very good guidelines over here. Although if you are new on Azure and if you just land on this podcast, uh, this might be very helpful uh, in this case to guide you in this case as well, uh, because we are talking about two things. They are related, but they are different things. One is the Microsoft Cloud Adoption Framework for Azure, and the other one is the Azure Well-Architectured Framework. So the Cloud Adoption Framework for Azure, right? Um, and I will pass for you to comment in this case in a minute, Andrew, is, is the way that Microsoft sees for you to adopt the cloud in this case, the Microsoft Cloud on your environment, okay? Uh, so there are different scenarios there. There are um, different ways that you can create your framework to adopt the cloud. Of course, that all of that adoption is based on one thing. It's based on the Azure Well Framework or Well Architecture Framework. So one is the base of the other, but the Well well architecture framework is for example what me that i'm i'm considered a, a sme a subject matter expert and andrew as well it's what we based on to just design every single architecture that we're doing for our customers okay we 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 use as well the adoption i use a lot uh, the adoption as well especially when they are um new in this case on the cloud on the cloud journey and they want to adopt azure on their cloud journey because they have a lot of good things there it's a good starting point sometimes i deviate like high 80 percent i deviate a lot from the from the uh, adoption in this case framework but it's a good start it's a good starting point with the conversation what is your uh, what is your perspective in this, uh, uh, Andrew? So for me, I've I've long been using the uh, the cloud adoption framework as kind of well, just that it's a framework. So I use it, uh, and I you know I always talk about staying in the lanes, right? So if I can you know stay on the inside of the curbs, you get the freedom usually of about two lanes. If you have a little bit more open project or a bigger business engagement, uh, you may have multi-lanes, you may have a four-lane road, but you still have curbs. So your project has definitions. And the cloud adoption framework for me is about defining those curbs and staying on the right road. 
So it talks about things now. I'm going to admit I've cheated and I've brought up the framework. Uh, so there's no way I can remember all of the many components of the framework off the top of my head. So <laughs> a tip from the pros, when people are talking about these things, uh, well-architected framework is a little easier. The pillars are uh, a little bit less. Um, but within each pillar, of course, is many, many details, <laughs> yes. right? And so we'll get to that part. But with the adoption framework, um, it's the same kind of idea. So on Microsoft Docs website, they do a very fantastic job of bringing the details, I'm going to say, to life. So they give you kind of the paperwork. They give you the option to download, you know, download the package and PDFs and those things. But they also have segments within Microsoft Learn, which I just want to point out, I, I, I tell everybody who is willing to listen, Microsoft Learn is just freaking awesome. It's free. It's Microsoft content that's built by Microsoft for using Microsoft products and services. So it, there's no reason to ever just turn down that free training. Uh, it's right there. If we just have uh, you know 20 minutes or something to go and bite a little bit off, then we can do that. And we learned something that day. It's a good thing. So that said, uh, I like to focus in on the strategy pieces a little bit and the migration pieces. So. Uh, that's kind of uh, in the getting started and getting ready pieces, yeah. right? And when we talk about uh, aligning strategies, creating a first project, you know, if we think of POCs, kind of getting our, our feet wet, uh, kind of in that sense. But then we talk about, okay, so now you've got your feet wet, so we're ready to set up uh, kind of some operational models. We're ready to start talking about what they call Azure landing zones, which, by the way, is a really cool concept. Uh, if you're already familiar with it, kind of from a project management standpoint, it's, it, it, you know, it, they've just uh, exactly the same page there, my friend. So um, I like to take a look at Azure Migration Guide and the migration scenarios. And I find that that's really helpful to communicate, not just with other IT professionals, like we're talking about DevOps, we're talking about data experts. Uh, IT architects, systems, infrastructure architects, Azure architects. It, this can help bring everybody together, but it also helps to explain these migration pieces to the business. Uh, we sometimes in IT get very excited about our technology, as we should. This is pretty exciting stuff. But uh, we have to make sure that we're satisfying, first and foremost, all of the business requirements. We're mitigating risk whenever possible. Yes, uh, some you know, pillar points for discussion later. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we want to make sure that we're we're bringing the business partners and the sponsors of the project uh, into our world as much as we can. And uh, the tools that Microsoft gives us with this cloud adoption framework is really a way that we can share our technical world to the business side. Uh, and that, I think, is a really critical piece, and it's often overlooked in some smaller projects. Um, you know, as you know, uh, there's lots of projects that are starting to spin up now, kind of coming into the new year for 2021, and it's really exciting. But we have to make sure as responsible IT professionals that we're keeping the business engaged and that we keep our traction with the business. That's really critical. Um, many IT projects, even projects you and I have been part of uh, together, um, they lose traction within the business or we get kind of, dare I say, off track. 
um, a little bit because uh, the project can get overrun from other requirements. Yeah, and, you know, things come up, we have like speed bumps and all those kind of, you know, we'll keep the reference to highways, I think, today, just yeah. for fun. <laughs> I, I, I could you not know, agree more with bump, you right? completely. And what I like about this uh, adoption framework uh, is it's not only built like, for example, and that's a very good thing that you said that because, for example, you use more on the plan and on a migrate as well. Uh, but usually this framework, it's based on these nine uh, areas the get started, the strategy, the plan, the ready, the migrate, the innovate, the governance, the manage and the organized. Um, so mm -hmm. these are the nine, let's call it pillars inside of the cloud adoption framework, uh, the Microsoft cloud adoption framework that we are talking about. And I think it's, it's really good because um, in a, I already explored all of them and I always try to bring all of them. And to be very honest, when I'm doing what I, what I, I call the, my Azure Foundation, it's what I bring on those nine pillars. It's what I bring to the table, those nine pillars. Because uh, those usually, um, if you attack one of those, yes, you can, you can then go in there, but they need to understand how they are. Especially, there are a few ones like, for example, ready. If you are ready or not for uh, getting into Azure um, and everything else, yes, sure. Um, that's that's you should should be after the planning. Uh, that's where you're starting to just provisioning all of your uh, Azure and everything else. You already went to the planning. You already went to the strategy to see what is the strategy of the company um, and to doing all of that. But I always like, for example, before I deploy, and this is my personal, to just talk about the governance. Um, things like, for example, um, the gov on the governance foundation, talking like if the company is not um, globally dispersed, if it's only, for example, in North America, uh, we should create a policy, for example, to lock down those that we uh, should not deploy anything in South America, Europe, or any other regions besides the regions that the business are in or they are interesting in, for example. Uh, exactly. Because that's, that's where I think differentiate people like me and you that we have experience. Because I've been on awesome projects like migrating high virtualizing worlds to either a pub a private cloud and a public cloud or a hybrid cloud whatever you want to mention like doing lift and shift or doing re-architecting migrations a very awesome projects like get over what you have on data center but then we're moving everything we open everything and then they starting to innovate because they see the potential of 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 azure they they're using devops and they are starting to use infrastructure as a service or infrastructure as a code to just deploy all of that and then you have developers now that by mistake they want a powerful machine they don't understand all of the costs that we've been talking every single episode on this podcast about costs how important is that to uh, operationalize the azure 
and then they are getting and then the CIO or or the manager or whoever getting all of those high bills and starting to lock down these and then the experience starting to be reduced because we architects like me and you didn't didn't starting educate in this case everyone our governance and our governance in in Azure and Azure governance in particular it's so important mm -hmm. for me that's my only thing that I always try to move this between the strategy and the plan putting the governance in the middle it's so funny it's like we've learned together uh especially me uh from <laughs> you because I was about to mention I really wish, knock, knock, hello, Microsoft, could you please include a line at the end of strategy about governance? Because it's so important to make that part of your strategy and your planning. Yeah. It really does need to be, it, I know, it's almost like we're cut from the same cloth on this one. Yes. <laughs> but I think that that's the advantage of experience right there, yeah. right? So. Um, you've brought a lot of experience and I've done a lot of learning and working side by side with you. And I, I have a big advantage, I feel, with that. Um, I'm giving you a big uh, end of the year pat on the back there <laughs> and I thank you. <laughs> that's, why, because... that's why we are here because you did involve a lot. It's not, it's not because uh, one knows, knows more than the other one. It's not the point of that. It's a point of experience. I bring a different experience than you. That's why I like to bring to this because you have a totally different experience than me. And that's totally fine because um, that's what, what makes us uh, a good team. Um, and that's where, where I've exactly. been successful when we've been working together in some of the projects. That's why we've been so successful because um, it's just bring us another level to the customer and they see that um they see that it's it's like it's it's i always my my grandfather always that two people or two heads are better than one it doesn't matter if you have your head is too new on this or not it brings another day for example just just as a, as a side note on this um i was working on the project and they it was a trainee there and as you can imagine, it's not like saying that I have way more knowledge than him because it's not it's not a competition. But it, it did bring a perspective that I never thought about it. And I, I was pleased to say that I'm pleased to say that during that period of time, I was saying, wow, never thought about that. So I even that I I'm already have a few years on my back with Azure um, and I'm an Azure MVP. It's not like I have the source, the, 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 the source of truth of Azure because I have. It's like that's what I love about uh, Mr. Rusunovich, that is the CTO of Azure. And um, when I was at Microsoft, for example, I, I, I was listening to him in one of the one of the meetings that says that every time he enters, he enters in the meeting and someone on introduction says that he's an expert on Azure. It basically stand up and walk out of the room because he himself, that is the CTO of Azure, doesn't consider himself as an expert. 
because Azure is is this is the reason that we're doing this podcast um, is involving so fast and it's is growing yep. tremendously that is impossible to be an expert on Azure. Yeah, you can't know everything, exactly. right? And that's why we have uh, teams, we partner with people and organizations, we come together to uh, provide good solutions and good answers for our clients and customers. And, uh, you know, with that, I think I'm going to roll that right into uh, kind of the end of that section on uh, the, the cloud framework, which is, um, you know, building skills with Microsoft Learn. Completely. So uh, like you were, you, we've both been saying, you know, we don't have all of the answers. Mm -hmm. Nobody can, um, but you can sure as heck expand your mind. And with all of these uh, spare time that you might have on a weekend or something around the holidays, especially, then, uh, you know, I like to spend a little bit, even just a half an hour, uh, go and uh, do a couple of modules in Microsoft Learn and you can learn more about it. So they have cloud adoption framework for Azure uh, right in Microsoft Learn and that article that you were showing earlier actually just has links at the bottom that takes you right into the Learn pages, which is, uh, as you and I know now, uh, part of Microsoft Docs family yeah. now. So everything's kind of with Microsoft Learn kind of Absolutely. coming together. So. And, th and, that's, and that's a very, very good. And, and, and I apologize if you, um, in advance because this is not new, but I think it was important because we've been talking regarding the well frame, uh, the well architecture framework, and the cloud adoption framework for a long podcast. That I just want to reserve some a few minutes on this podcast, um, and 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 that's it. So let's dive into the into the news or to the updates. Rabbit MQ um, for Windows and Linux, okay, is now general generally available. So RabbitMQ for Azure Functions, uh, it's now available. And this is a pretty exciting because I'm not an expert on RabbitMQ. Um, I've been working with, with that right. a little bit, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's very popular because it's a, a, a open source for message brokers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It allows messaging to kind of come in and out of queues and it handles the queue management. And uh, it can help, uh, especially if you're using functions or uh, serverless with apps and things. Um, can really help uh, extend, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the usability and the feature yeah. set uh, of those developments, whether it's an app-based one yeah. or not. Um, but it's, it's really cool, it right? So it's now into general availability, yeah. which means uh, Azure's found a stable version of it. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is uh, Linux based, yes? Linux and Windows. And yeah. Windows. So it is, uh, it, yeah. So, well, I think the RabbitMQ, uh, it's compatible with both because it's a service, yes. right? But I believe it's a, it's like a Linux technology. Yes, it is. It? I, 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 again, I'm, I've been using this very, on the very limited way. Uh, but yes, as far as I know, uh, it is based on Linux, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it, it, this, it is, is an extension either for using on Windows or in Linux. Uh, so it's starting on, on all of this. And it's a good way because um, to just show that, for example, Event Hub, um, that usually it's one of the ways that you are 
using all for all messaging and everything else, right? Um, you can use it, and now you have RabbitMQ that is really popular, for example, with uh, T Mobile and Runtastic, uh, that they are using this, and, and it's, it's worldwide. So now it's not only Microsoft tools, and that's the part that I'm, uh, that I'm loving about this is, is the openness of having different platforms uh, together to just achieve what you want to achieve. So now Absolutely. you don't have only one, uh, in this case on, on messaging and, and managing messages and managing message brokers, queues and everything else. You don't have only one. You have a, a peripheral of different options. So makes this mm -hmm. way more, it's, it's great just to see the increase of this and the potential that they are using with Azure functions, functions, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice because, you know, like you said, it, it kind of brings the different platforms together and it's about providing the services, which is really cool because, uh, I mean, in the last, uh, I want to say even 10 years, Microsoft has really had this positive energy and evolution of bringing everything together and providing the right services and the right features that businesses need to be more productive. Now with Azure, of course, it's a little bit uh, more, uh, what's the word, extendable. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and it's kind of like to steal the line, I think from our last uh, segment about frameworks uh, is, you know, um, things are growing at such a rapid pace, you can't know everything. And one of the cool things is, is you get to just kind of uh, grab these little tidbits and now you have another messaging queue uh, to help you. And, you know, it's going to be a little bit lower cost uh, than some of the other ones um, because of the open source, right? So it helps to bring down cost and grow features. Yeah. So with that said, uh, something else that's in preview, right? Uh, we have a cool update, I think, about uh, Azure Monitor for containers support for private clusters is now in public preview. So now we can go into our uh, dev test uh, subscription and uh, add that. And yes, I'm going to get that quick uh, little jab in there about do not use that. <laughs> it is in preview. <laughs> I didn't say anything this time. It was you that said that, that, that say that, but yes. And, and, and this is a very cool thing because I was talking to um, a good friend of mine that he had to switch, for example, some of those uh, subscriptions and he have to move resources. And I was pointing to the Azure resource mover and, and doing mm -hmm. all of that, um, that we mentioned here at the, at the, at the podcasts and guess what happened because he did deploy uh, that VM on the plan that was in preview. Okay. And now it's, it's become general availability. He could not move that. And that's interesting because I was saying, you should listen to our podcast. And he says, yes, I already listened to that. And I remember perfectly what you're going to say to me. So don't, I know that I have to rebuild it from scratch. And I learned my lesson and say, good job. So excellent. Well, as long as they've learned their lesson, because um, I actually was in uh, with a client, if you can believe this, uh, just before Christmas, and I mean two days before Christmas. And 
they uh, they were they were looking at deploying a feature. Other and I said, okay, so we can put this in, but we can't put this in here because we're in your production environment. So we'll need to stand up these services and uh, put this into your dev test. I said, well, well, why wouldn't we do this twice? All right, so go make your coffee and sit down because you know now we have that big client talk about you know we put on the soft gloves so that we can be polite and respectful but we still have to be firm uh, as an IT professional about okay listen so we don't want to use uh, you know sample systems you know uh, public previews in uh, production and your story is a really good example of why because then we lose the functionality we can't move it we can't do things with it and in some cases it stops working and when that's in your production environment um, your poor junior and intermediate staff that are manning our front lines of IT over Christmas holidays, <laughs> they get the call that, hey, I can't log into the server and do the thing I need. Uh, well, that's okay. So it's not, not, not going to be fixed for a few days probably. Yeah. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and that is the, is the cool thing about this. Yeah. But this one, this update that they are talking about is, is, it's one of the things that I was looking for, to be honest, that is the private cluster. So you have your Kubernetes cluster uh, that is inside. Now you can have Azure Monitor to have that. So exactly. to just and use... I think it was last week we talked yes. about that uh, uh, AKS coming to private, uh, private cluster. Exactly. Right? So now, for example, you can have the advanced diagnostics fixture allowing you to direct access your AKS, for example, containers log, um, and to even get events, get pod metrics, whatever you want. So it's going to be like your live logs directly um, that you should have. And that's one of the things that I've been talking about a lot of times is it's very easy to deploy a Kubernetes cluster it's really difficult to manage. Um, and that's the mm -hmm. part that is uh, not very difficult, but it's, it's challenging, let me say this. It's challenging to manage. And one of the things is the logs. You have to go there and logs. And now be able to export that to, to Azure, and in this case to Azure Monitor, makes my life really simple. And that's, that's the part that I like with this. With this. Although, again, like... Andrew said very well, this is in public preview. Yeah, we have to be careful with that. Um, but, uh, you know, I want to I want to emphasize your point about manageability. So, um, you know, as uh, as things evolve with uh, the Kubernetes clusters and services, um, when you deploy an Azure, it's now an Azure native service. Right. So even though it's Kubernetes, it's part of Azure. And uh, eventually all of these features catch up with everything. Um, and it's part of that fast, like the rapid evolution and the continuous improvement. So now we have uh, coming up, in, at least in preview, um, you know, now we can integrate those logs into Azure Monitor. And of course, uh, once it's into Azure Monitor, we can integrate, it can go into Sentinel and all of these other great things. And we can integrate that together and it does the interpretation of those logs. So I think I want to make the prediction in 2021, the management of your Kubernetes cluster, Marcos, is going to be a little bit less frustrating Completely. Uh, as we move forward. Absolutely. 
and that's the part that's the part that I like about about that it makes a little bit simpler to just manage and to deploy all of those Kubernetes clusters and all of those containers because now we have way more insight what's happening on those containers that we had before because we had to go to the cluster and it's consuming resources and all of that and so on and so forth, right? Exactly, yeah. It, it was a little bit of a blind spot, but now it's going to come to light and it's going to yeah. work well. So with that said, we have uh, one more uh, preview, right? Yeah, one more public preview. Azure Automation Python 3 Runbook now supports, it's supported and it's now available on uh, public preview. So this is really cool because now we used to have Python 2 uh, available uh, to manage all of that and to add the package. But now with Python 3, you are enable or creating a Python 3 package um, into the Azure automation. So again, extending, we already mentioned this uh, when we're talking about the, the, the Rabbit MQ. Um, uh -huh. Azure is extending. Uh, it was a limitation on Python 2. Now they basically make this uh, ahead and making an enable Python 3 as well for uh, managing, in this case, or managing and creating on the Azure Automation Runbook. Absolutely. So Runbooks uh, I like because it lets, uh, it lets you schedule, uh, I'm going to call it segments and groups of code together. And, uh, you know, then you can, of course, enforce calendar schedules and things yeah. like that. So uh, even for our podcast, you know, we've talked about it uh, once before and I started publishing on my own uh, blog, um, kind of the walkthrough on creating. Uh, Python uh, is really kind of, uh, I think it's partnered really with PowerShell, it's hand in hand. And uh, for me, I love the power of the runbooks because it adds more extensibility, more flexibility. And with Python, uh, with the Python 3 and the runbooks, now uh, it's growing. Like yeah. you said, it just keeps extending. And uh, I think it's just a fantastic thing. It but is. I love, I love the ease of runbooks uh, within Azure because uh, even... Uh, you know, right before our podcast, I, I looked at my email that summarizes automatically for us the list of articles that are released. And I thought, oh, gosh, that's a little light. Maybe something misfired. Let me rerun it. So I log into Azure off of my, my mobile. I rerun the, the, the run book. I look at the new email. Nope, it's the same. Okay, uh, away we go then. So it is yeah. accurate. So it, it's so flexible. You can trigger these things it off is. of your mobile. And, and all of these, I think it's good to mention that all of these Python 3 runbooks, it's not only on Azure, it's on the hybrid runbook worker as well. So means that you can run these Python 3 as well, that they are still in public preview on-prem. Uh, so means that you can extend that runbook that you can trigger uh, through what's called the hybrid worker. So this hybrid worker, it's nothing more than you have your extension of the Azure automation into your on-premise um, infrastructure. 
So you can still extend that. It's not only like, oh, it's a public preview and we are only allowing to run on Azure. No, you can run on both. Uh, so you mm -hmm. can import, author and run Python 3 runbooks in Azure or in a hybrid worker, runbook worker. And that's, that's really cool because, again, it's still on public preview, uh, right? And we don't need to mention the public, what public preview means. Uh, but again, you can you can you can extend that, and that that's really cool, right? I, I think it's cool. Um, yes. I do not program in in Python three, but I think it's it's worth mentioning the potential of now having Azure Automation doing this, and yeah, and all absolutely. of that. Yeah, and it's it's the 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 true hybrid joining um, that I'm really enjoying lately. Uh, as you know, you and I've talked about it, but we should share it with our our listeners as well, right? Um, because, uh, you, you know, we, we can extend from on-premises into the cloud. Uh, we can be more cloud-centric and kind of reach back and touch on-prem. Uh, but I really love the way that a lot of the Azure stack, uh, especially the HCI, the, the hyper-converged infrastructure, um, kind of everything's just working so well together, Azure Arc, um, and now uh, runbooks extending to on-prem as well, right? So we can do these triggers in uh, multiple areas and uh, really just making our data center a much smaller, tighter place. Absolutely. Because we can bring it, you know, it doesn't matter uh, what data center it's in. If it's uh, a small office, if it's a, a local data center, or if it's cloud uh, like Azure, right? And certainly um, with Azure Arc, I don't want to get off track again on you, sorry. But with Azure Arc, of course, you know that helps to bridge multi-cloud, um, which uh, a couple a couple of my clients have been endeavoring to uh, kind of balance their clouds a little bit, and uh, Azure Arc has really helped to bridge those gaps uh, and bring management together, especially for um, Windows admins. Uh, I always think. I call it junior admins, but it's not really a, a good. I should find a new thing to call this, right? Um, I'm going to call them new to IT admins. <laughs> so, so people that are, yeah. you know, more recently graduated from courses, they're educated in a lot of graphical. Um, I'm finding less of an emphasis on command line, uh, which, if you know me, I'm going to find very disturbing. <laughs> but but uh, that said, um, you know, we have to find ways to. Uh, utilize our existing workforce and make uh, products and services consumable by the people that are going to be using them, right? And, Absolutely. Uh, so administrators have to have graphical interfaces, um, but we have to have ways things, you know, Python, PowerShell, CLI. Uh, there's lots of ways that we can accomplish the same tasks. And uh, I think there's a phrase about cats. We should probably stay away from it. And on our references. <laughs> Yeah. There's more than one way to bake an apple pie. There we go. There you go. <laughs> okay. The last but not the least is something that um, it's it's dear to my heart. That is that is IoT that I love very much, um, and that is the ingress logs are now available on Azure Time Series Insights, the TSI environments, um, and this is very curious because. I was presenting uh, last weekend uh, on the Azure um, on the IoT weekend uh, event uh, in Brazil, 
um, that was in, in, in Portuguese. So that's why I, um, I didn't put over here on the channel um, or in this case on the podcast. But we were talking about this and we're talking how important it is to understand what is the amount of data that Azure Time Series Insights are, um, are uh, handling, right? And with that, um, this was very soon, was right before Christmas, um, that they announced this, that now it's become GA, uh, that now you can see the ingress logs. So this means that you can monitoring what you are receiving from all of your devices and everything else into Time Series Insights. And, and the good thing about this, it's really cool because you can associate the cost, you can associate everything uh, with that and you can monitoring. Although um, there are a few things that I want to bring uh, to attention, especially you that you are listening, that is when you're collecting, when your platform metrics are collected and stored automatically, you need to create first the diagnostic settings to collect the platform logs and the metrics in Azure. So it's not only kind of uh, enable this on Azure Monitor, right? And you are set to go. So you need to create first the diagnostic settings. So now you can you can see it, um, and that it's really cool because now you can see errors. Uh, when the network is preventing and sometimes you don't know what's going on and you're going on your uh, time series insight and you're starting to see that the message are not traffic anymore what's happening um, and a lot of things can come IOT app for example or event app has been deleted because it happens sometimes I have I have customers and I have friends that they come and say, Marcos, just a quick question. Can we recover something that my, uh, like using Andrew's word, new to IT admin <laughs> deleted by mistake? And I say, yeah, depending on what we're talking about. And now we have monitoring that it allows us to just see what's been missing. For example, if it was the resource group that has the IoT app or even the, the event app is being deleted, um, whatever it is, right? Um, some of those things, um, some of those consumer groups that have been used elsewhere, whatever it is that, that you are monitoring, just to see the ingress coming into those environments, right? It's really interesting. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So. Uh, I was actually uh, kind of going through some of the details here, sorry. Uh, I was looking at the sample queries and uh, the, the link from the example page under the time series insights, the how to. And uh, I was totally not poking around at the uh, queries there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you're, you're right. Yeah. So this is uh, this is kind of a big uh, a big announcement um, in, in my view. Uh, because now that uh, it's into um, full general availability, the GA, um, you know, you can track a lot of things now. And uh, it, it brings the errors up to the top a little bit more easily. And, of course, uh, depending on how you build your dashboards, 
Um, but uh, it allows you to go uh, and look, you know, if that uh, if the IoT hub or the event hub has been deleted, that's kind of a big thing. Um, you know, like you were saying, we have a lot of mixed people, especially I find in IoT work environments where things are, uh, how can you say, uh, very fluid. You know, they change rapidly. They change um, often. And, uh, you know, we don't always have necessarily IT-minded people in there. We have a lot of uh, different folks coming in and helping us build those, uh, those um, I wanted to call it communities. It's not the right word. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say here, I think. <laughs> uh, build the systems. Oh, my gosh. There we go. Uh, Christmas has been hard. I'm going to say I'm drinking less coffee today. So. Yeah, you can, we kind of slowing down on the Christmas a yeah. little bit. I've I've been I've been relaxing a little bit. I've been on the computer a lot less, uh, but I admit I've been on my phone a little more. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. So uh, yeah, you know, for the for the time series insights, it's it's a big advantage, and uh, you know, when it's integrated um, well with uh, Azure monitoring. Um, it can, uh, you know, trigger alerts for important events. And that's really what it's it about, is. right? It's about that critical monitoring of live prod systems. Um, but again, you know, go in, play with it, uh, learn it. Um, you know, uh, Marcos is always, uh, you're, you're my, my go-to guy for IoT questions, as you know. Um, but uh, I, I like going in and playing with these little systems in my, my testing uh, subscription because then I can kind of learn them. And of course, that's what we're here to do is get people interested. Exactly. Right? So uh, we want uh, you, you know, go out, um, you know, take your Christmas bonus that you got from Microsoft, you know, that free Azure account you can go and sign up for. Yeah. <laughs> that was my Christmas bonus this year, actually, um, because. Uh, Azure skills. And it's become really fun, right? It lets us uh, do different things we can't do in our prod environments. Uh, you know, we can go and use the free subscription. We can do some learning, and uh, we can come back to our prod environments, our, our customers and clients, uh, even our own. Uh, you know, if we're an employee somewhere, we can come back to our employer and say, "Hey, you know what? I've gone hands-on with this. I've learned it. We should set it up in our dev test now." And yeah. now you can kind of share the share the knowledge with your own team. And uh, yeah, that's a kind of a Christmas gift of its own, I suppose, isn't it? Absolutely. So we come to the end of our podcast. Unfortunately, uh, we've been having a lot of fun on all of this conversation. Um, so I want to thank you um, that you are listening and viewing the podcast uh, once again. Uh, for reaching this uh, this end of this podcast. Uh, wishing you a Merry Christmas. Uh, I hope that you have everything that you want on your uh, stocking in this case. And just get health uh, or get healthy because it's not outside. It's not for fun right now. Keep <laughs> it there. Keep it safe because we will get through this uh, no matter what. Um, Absolutely. That's really good. Uh, that's a beautiful Christmas wish, my friend, I have to say, um, you know, staying safe and uh, yeah. just having our health. Um, that's a really beautiful gift. Uh, and if we can share good health and good habits, you know, wear a mask, 
you know, wash your hands, sanitize. And if you live in the land of the white fluffy or the heavy white fluffy snow, um, go shovel a neighbor's walkway or something, uh, brush off their car, uh, especially if they're maybe uh, getting on in years a little bit. I know um, my wife and I have actually been having, <laughs> it's silly, but we've been having a lot of fun uh, this week doing that in our neighborhood. Uh, I think we shoveled up with my friend who lives next door to us. Um, we've shoveled kind of up and down the block and out in the alley and all over. It's been actually really fun uh, because there's uh, some people that are not as young as they used to be in our neighborhood here, uh, but yeah. they're beautiful people. And we don't want them out shoveling heavy snow. Uh, we want them to wait for the spring sunshine to come out and, uh, you know, share a socially distanced coffee Absolutely. with us across the street. Absolutely. And uh, I'm really holding out hope that, uh, you know, things are going to turn around. They're going to kind of get back to whatever our, our normal was or is going to be. I'm not really sure where I'm at on all that. But I think it's just wonderful. We've got our health. Uh, you and I have been blessed with good families, yes. uh, good people, and a good friendship. Um, you know, so thank you, Marcos. Um, you know, I've had a fantastic, uh, I don't know what year that is anymore, 2020. <laughs> and, uh, you know, certainly thank you to our listeners and viewers. Um, as you know, uh, if you know us at all by now, and this is your second podcast of watching us or listening to us, you know that we will go on for a little while. So yes. thank you for hanging in. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so once again, Merry Christmas to everyone and see you next week. Uh, uh, before we go, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to, uh, if you are watching from YouTube, to just put the ring bell in this case uh, or just press the ring bell so you can get notifications. Or even if you are uh, listeners to the, to the podcast, um, just subscribe because every time that you release a new podcast, you will uh, get the notifications to 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 listen uh, what we are saying and and all of that. Uh, leave a comments below. Give some feedback and see you next week.